Today's message is I still declare. Last week's message was I declare. We're going to continue on with that same theme. So last week, the key verse, which I love technology. Last week, the key verse was Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. We are made in God's image. You are made to be like God, not just in his image, as in you have a face, you have a nose, ears, eyes, everything else. You're made in his likeness. So you are supposed to be like God. Amen? God is creative with his words. So when you speak, you are creating with your words, which is why this message is called I Declare. Now, I've got a a bit of a um, a gift, like the whole bag here will be for the end, and I've got another bag here for during the service. But the phrase I declare is a fairly strong phrase. Who can tell me why we declare when we pray? Someone who listened last week. Because that's how it is. To have faith? We should have faith. We declare because we have authority. Amen? So every time I hear, uh, every time you hear the word declare, I want you to yell back at me because I have authority. So let's try that. I declare. All right, now this bag of lollies is going to go to the loudest person today. And I'm going to need someone to judge that. (laughs) Sky's sweet tooth is kicking into gear. (laughs) So, who's going to judge this? You want to be the judge of that? Robin's going to be the judge. So the loudest person throughout the course of the morning, when I say declare, your response is, oh, he's on the way. I don't know how long these three days are going to last, but hey. <laughs> oh, Robin's happy to take bribes. So you might want to share the chocolate with her. <laughs> Money's better. <laughs> so we're made in God's image because our words create. So every time we declare... Yeah, that was good. That was good. <laughs> we're getting there. But every time I speak out the word of God, his word agrees with me. I agree with him and I open the door for God to do something. Amen? Every time I declare something, I open the door. We're getting there. So the reality is, because I have authority, I can declare. Amen. You'll get this by the end of the service. God spoke with words and the world was created. Amen? I speak and I create. The power of life and death is in the tongue, Proverbs says. Who is spiritual royalty here? Amen. So you are made to have dominion. You are made to decree. Your word has authority. When you speak as kings, your word is final. So if you're sick and you're, you're declaring health and life over your body, 
You, you do it because you have authority. Amen. Now, if we look at uh, a couple of verses, if I go back to that verse, it says we're supposed to have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. People might say, but that doesn't say devils. That doesn't say I have authority over demons. No, but Luke 10:19 does. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You've been given that authority. Mark 16, 17 and 18 says, in my name they will cast out demons. Matthew 17, 19, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. You have authority. There is no excuse for us to say, well, I don't know how to pray. Because you pray with authority. You speak out with authority. You declare with authority. Someone got it. You deserve one. <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of Freddo, so I'll have to be sparing. But today's message, not just I declare, but I still declare. I still declare. I think I'm going to have to throw off a couple here because... <laughs> Too late. Wait till next time. But so often when people pray, they say, I'm praying but I'm not seeing results. Who's ever had that? Who's ever struggled praying and not seeing results? Well, sometimes there's roadblocks and I don't have the answers as to why we don't always have our prayers answered. But I do know that we are called to pray with authority. I do know that we are called to speak to our situation because we're made in God's likeness. So I want to look at a couple of roadblocks. Who's ever had a roadblock in their life? What is a roadblock? Blocks away? What is that rock saying to you? You're not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when, the fig tree, when Jesus came to the fig tree and he came looking for fruit, the fig tree answered him and said, you're not having anything. Because you read that verse, and Jesus answered the fig tree. He didn't look and go, oh, there's no fruit. He wanted fruit and the fruit wasn't there and he answered the fig tree. We need to answer our situations in life with authority. We need to speak out the word of God. So the first roadblock I want to look at is forgiveness. Oh. And that's always the case regardless of the fact that the Bible tells us that if we do not forgive others, God cannot, not he will not, he cannot forgive us. Even though the Bible says that, we walk around going, yeah, but God never thought of my situation when he made that law because I'm unique. My situation's different. God didn't know that person was going to hurt me the way he did. And man, does he deserve it. God should really strike him down. Well, God can't deal with somebody until we actually choose to walk in forgiveness. Amen? I was listening to uh, Dr. Carolyn Leaf this week, who's a neuroscientist with over 30 years experience in research and clinical practice. She's someone who's an expert in the field. She's world, known all over the world for, for her level of expertise. And she was teaching on forgiveness, and I thought it was something really interesting. 
And there's actually a science behind forgiveness that we don't really understand. Who, under, who believes that God will never tell us to do something that is not for our good? Tenica believes that. Sue believes that. Yeah, God will never tell us to do anything that isn't for our own benefit. In fact, forgiveness is actually something God put in place to bless us. Forgiveness is a blessing and we have to learn to walk in it. They've shown in research that what you do, when, when God says to do something, when you actually obey what God says, they've proven scientifically that it affects your brain for the better. So forgiveness actually affects your brain. When we don't forgive someone, we create roadblocks to the blessing of God in our life. And if a, if a rock falls on a road, you don't go anywhere until that rock's moved, unless you can find a detour. And what Carol Leaf was talking about was quantum physics, and I'm going to try and, try and explain it with my little pea brain, because I don't understand quantum physics like they do. But quantum physics is something that actually deals with the stuff that we can't explain. Classical physics deals with stuff we can measure, stuff we can see, stuff we can feel. But quantum physics looks at things that we don't understand, and particularly with the spiritual things, it explains things really well. It has no past, present or future, space, time or dimension. So the natural laws that we understand don't come into play with quantum physics. So rather than thinking in the little box of time and measurement that we do, you have to think outside that. It operates according to time limitations and out of time limitations. It operates within space component and out of space component. And one of the main laws of quantum physics is called entanglement. And this is, this is something I found really interesting. Scientists have proven that a photon created a billion light years away actually has an impact on me. Everything in the universe is interconnected. We might go, well, that doesn't make sense. Well, the Bible has a few verses. If we look at Ephesians 4.16, for whom the whole body joined and knit together but what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. The whole body is joined together right around the world. And we understand that from a spiritual point of view, but we don't always understand the other bits and pieces that go with it. And they nickname this spooky action at a distance. And the law of entanglement simply refers to relationship. Something on the other side of the world actually has a relationship with me. So we're going to bring this back to and, and track it back within the brain. When something traumatic happens, who's ever been traumatised by something or someone? Someone yells at you, someone waves their fist at you. You could have a traumatic experience. It's involuntary, it's not our fault, but it's happened to us. What happens with that traumatic experience is that we become connected to that other person. So they could leave here, be on the other side of the world, and I can still be affected by what's happened to them. And this is the part I didn't understand. When they speak, it still impacts me as though they're sitting on the chair right in front of me. So the person on the other side of the world doesn't like me, has an issue with me, has a whatever. He could still be speaking hatred darts at me and they will still affect me because of the traumatic connection in my brain. That's quantum physics, and I don't understand it, 
but it's been proven scientifically that we are connected to people all around the world, particularly through trauma. The way to deal with that is to forgive. Because when you forgive, you actually cut the tie so that person can no longer affect you. They can say whatever they like, but they've now been cut off. And again, I don't fully understand how it all works. All I know is that scientists have proven this to be the case. And again, like I said, there's no past, present, future, no space, time, or dimension. So the laws that come into play with that can affect you anywhere in the universe. When we forgive, we get the toxicity out of our unconscious mind to our conscious mind and then out of our heads. So the toxic poisons that go with that are the things that actually scramble our brain. One lady testified that she'd been trafficked and was raped about 100 times a day. When she got hold of this truth, she chose to forgive those who traumatised her and remove the toxic thoughts out of her head. She said that's when the light of God came, that's when she was able to forgive and pray clearly. She's now married and works with trafficked victims, helping them to work on forgiveness as well. Now the thing is, when somebody does something to us, we naturally say, well, they deserve to be punished. That's why we hold on to this, because we say, well, that person deserves punishment. I'm angry, I want them to be dealt with. Well, I can't do anything about it. My anger towards them actually eats me up. It affects me. And if I look at... Um, 1 Thessalonians 1.6, it says, in his justice, he will pay back those who persecute you. God will actually pay back those who have persecuted you. So if you actually want to see them dealt with, forgive them, because then you're putting them in God's hands saying, God, they're now there. And the Bible says, in his justice, he will pay back to those who persecute you. So they will get what they deserve, but not from you. From that point on, they're in God's hands. It becomes his business, and our job is to remove the toxicity from our brains and allow God to bring healing. You might, have, you might find it difficult to forgive. And as I read this verse this week, I thought it was really interesting. Who's ever found it difficult to forgive? You are not alone. It is normal. That's why we're supposed to forgive the way God forgives. You say, God forgives differently? Yes, he does. If we look at Ephesians 4, 31, 32, it says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behaviour. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, forgave you. So we're commanded, remember I said earlier, that God won't ask us to do anything that isn't for our benefit. God does this to bless us. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behaviour. Get rid of it. Don't hold on to it. You have to work through it. But then, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ Jesus, forgave you. The word Christ isn't Jesus' last name. It refers to the anointing. So if God forgave you through the anointing, then you need to rely on the Holy Spirit to help you forgive other people. And then go one step further and pray blessing upon them. Who would love to pray for their enemies? We should. We're supposed to pray for our enemies. Now this is the thing. We look at a person. Our, ba our battle is not flesh and blood. It's against the enemy himself. Amen? So if he's the one causing the hurt and the trauma to you, then I need to get back at him. 
And by forgiving the person, I release them for God to actually do the work in them. If I then start praying for them and pray for their salvation, the ultimate get in your face to the enemy is for the person who hurt me to get saved. We need to be praying for our enemies that God will convict them, do a work in their life and bring them to a point of salvation. And you might say, I don't know how to pray. But if you look at Matthew 5.44, it says, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. So we're commanded to do that. Now what I found really interesting was that they've actually proven scientifically again that 30 seconds of prayer changes the atmosphere. Only 30 seconds of prayer will change the atmosphere. Now if you're declaring the promises of God over your life, thank you, that deserves it. I was wondering how long it would take. I take no claim for holes in the teeth. (laughs) But 30 seconds of our prayer changes the atmosphere. So when I'm speaking out the promises of God, I'm speaking out something for God to act with. And if God's going to honour his word, he's going to change the atmosphere. And you might say, well, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray for someone who's hurt me. Well, do exactly this. Do it through the anointing. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you the words. Pray in tongues, but pray with intention. I want to see this person blessed. I'm still talking about declaring. Amen. Because I have authority, I can declare. The truth of this is that I have to speak. I was wondering if somebody would. (laughs) We love Mark 11, 24, which says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. This is a verse we love. Verse 25 is connected by the word and. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Whenever you stand praying. Who has prayed today? Well, as part of that, you need to say, God, is there anybody I need to, I need to forgive? Let the Holy Spirit bring it up, deal with it through the Holy Spirit, deal with it in the anointing, pray blessing on them, and then start praying what you want to pray. Because you're severing that tie You're allowing God to work on their behalf. You're allowing God to work on your behalf and change will happen. The next one is self-sabotage. Self-sabotage is when you actually destroy your your own journey. And so often we pray speaking out what we see. I'm praying for a miracle here, but I still feel sick. I'm praying that God will provide my needs, but I just don't have the money for this. And we constantly say, I haven't got the money for that bill. God, I really need you to provide, Father. I thank you for this money coming in. Man alive, I wish I had more money. I don't have the money to pay this. How am I going to make ends meet? I can't do this. I can't do that. And we sabotage the prayers that we prayed earlier by the words that we speak. Remember, your words are creative. You speak and things happen. Now, there's nothing wrong with acknowledging the walls that surround us. But I have to acknowledge also that God is there and God is bigger than the walls and God is going to bring those walls down. So yes, I may have lack. Yes, I may feel sick. Yes, I may be facing struggles and trials and whatever else. Yes, that might be there, but I'm telling you walls, God is bigger than you. And in Jesus' name, I declare you're coming down. 
Amen. That's why we declare. Why? Amen. I don't know if I'll throw that far. I'll let you run them down. In Joshua chapter 6, we see that God says to Joshua, I have given Jericho into your hands, its king and the mighty men of valor. God promised, I've given Israel into your hands. He spoke out a word, this is what I want for you. Their job was to see that come to pass. So Israel was commanded to march around the city for six days and on the seventh day they were to march around the city seven times. The priest shall blow the trumpets and it says, it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn and you will hear the sound of the trumpet that all the people shall shout with a great shout and the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people will go up every man straight before him. So when it came to the battle, they were told to march around the city once, once a day and on the last day, they had to march around it seven times. And what I love about this is that Joshua said, you are not to say a word for seven days. Because, Joshua, uh, because Jericho was known to be a, a big wall. It was known to be a wall that nobody could defeat. And Joshua knew that if I let these people speak, they're going to look at this wall and go, that's a really big wall. That, I, I, don't know, I don't know how God's... You imagine how stupid this is? We have to speak to that wall and it's supposed to come down. Can you imagine speaking to this rock? Tell it to get out of the way. See what happens. But God commanded them. He said, I need you to speak to that wall. So if God tells you to speak to that rock then you have now authority, there's a foundation for you to do something. So they had to march around that city for seven days. And you might say, what kind of battle strategy is that? Well, I think it was protection from some of the mistakes their fathers made. Because in Exodus 14, Egypt pursued the Israelites and they complained. And then God delivered them. In Exodus 15, the water was bitter and they complained and God delivered him. In Exodus 16, they were hungry. Guess what? They complained again. And God delivered them. In chapter 17, they arrived at Rephidim, and there was no water. Guess what happened? They complained. Complain, complain, complain. Who has ever complained to God apart from me? All that did was moan and groan. They saw time after time after time after time God's deliverance for them. And time after time after time they complained, they moaned, they groaned. What we need to be saying is, God, I have seen you prove yourself. And so in Jesus' name I declare because, because I have authority. Every time you hear this word from now on, you're going you're to remember that. You're going to remember Fredo's, yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. Every time you see Fredo's, you should think about declaring. Because I have So it was their complaining that got them in trouble. And when God said, I've proven time and time and time again, now it's time for you to go in and take the land, they went, gee, those giants are bigger than the wall. Everything they saw was just giants. And all they said was, we can't possibly. We can't. We can't. We can't. They lacked the, the authority that they, they were supposed to walk in. They just chose to focus on the natural. 
And so when Joshua comes in, a whole generation later says, we are not going down this path again. I don't have another 40 years left in me. I'm going into that promised land. You will keep your mouth shut. We will win this battle and I'm going to go through and you're coming with me. And Joshua told them not to say a word and I think that is a really powerful strategy because no matter how many times they walked through the wall, they weren't allowed to say, gee, that's a big wall. They had to look at the wall and wait and wait and their thought pattern was the first word that comes out of my mouth is wall you are coming down and I can't wait till I can start talking again. So that was their focus was when I can, who's ever been in a fast and go, I can't wait till I can eat again? Your focus becomes the food. Well their focus was, they were fasting, talking, so their focus was the first word that comes out of their mouth. They were focusing on this wall coming down. Their fathers went through the wilderness and they lost everything. We can't, we can't, we can't. All they did was complain, they saw God deliver them, all they did was complain. The new generation came through and says, I declare that wall is coming down. Amen. You're made in the likeness of God. You are made to speak out the promises of God over your life with authority. Amen? We're supposed to read through these promises daily. We're supposed to chew them over, get the word of God into us. We're supposed to bring every thought into captivity. Israelites walked around that wall and they weren't allowed to say anything. They had to, I have to keep my mouth shut. Every time you're praying and the enemy comes in and goes, you know what, you're really having a bad day today. You don't have the money. You have no idea how this is going to come in. Things are not looking good for you. You bring that into captivity, to the obedience of Christ and say the word of God says. What did Jesus do every time Satan said something to him? It is written. It is written. And even when Satan threw scripture at him and says, well, what about this verse? It is written. And he came back and he spoke with authority the word of God. We need to reprogram our minds. Amen? We reprogram. We read scripture over and over again till it becomes real in us. And there's nothing better than having a problem that you're facing and standing going, man, I, I feel really sick today. I don't know what's going on. I'll tell you what, the word of God says, by his stripes you were healed. I'm going to walk in this. I'm going to speak this. And it starts rising up out of you. That's the place you want to be in. That's the place where you're actually speaking out with authority, where you're declaring with authority because, because you have authority. They are listening. They want their chocolate. What I thought was interesting in Genesis 27, Jacob stole the birthright from his brother Esau. And when he comes before Isaac and he finds out that the birthright is stolen, he says, is there anything you can give me? And his father says, I've already blessed Jacob. I've already made him your ruler. I've given him everything I have. There is nothing left to give you. Esau was devastated because he understood the power of words. You got it. It's ringing in there. I think, I think you deserve one just for the effort. Now I've lost my train of thought. Oh, Esau. I'm thinking of chocolate. Esau comes before his father and his father says there is nothing left to give and he lived that out for the rest of his life knowing his place. Isaac could have turned around and said to him, Jacob get in here right now. How dare you and punish him 
and, and just refused to give him that. But he's already spoken the words. Those words have come out of his mouth. They have already created, and he wasn't prepared to change that because that was the, the power they understood of the word. So often, I, I saw this clip the other day, and this guy, said, they, they asked him about, I think, anger or something, and he said, I just speak whatever comes out of my mouth. Well, that's a dangerous place to be in. You're in control of what comes out of your mouth. The battle starts in your mind, but it will end up in your mouth. So make sure whatever comes out of your mouth be the right thing. Let it be a declaration of authority. I'll take that. (laughs) So declaration needs to be something that's part of our life. Amen? We need to be speaking out the promises of God. Like I said earlier, quantum physics shows that 30 seconds of prayer brings change in the atmosphere. Often we don't pray with authority because we don't understand what the Word of God says. We need to find the promises of God, we need to speak them out over our lives. And you will walk out what you expect. If I expect to be healed, I will walk in that direction. If I expect freedom, I will walk in that direction. If I expect God to provide for me, I will walk with that in mind. Now I've put together this brochure, I've got a hundred up here, so there should be enough for everybody. There's four weeks worth of declarations that you can speak over your life. Amen. That deserves one. Have another one or give it away. We'll probably need to come to a solution now because what I want to go into, I don't want everyone yelling at every time I say it. So, who was the loudest? So Robin thinks that Isaiah has been the loudest. There's a bag here that a good Christian boy would share with people. Are you a good Christian boy? I guess. But some of these verses, there's, like I said, there's four weeks, one for every day, and the purpose isn't for you just to read through this and go, oh, that, that's, I read it for the day. Each one of these is something I want you to start speaking over your life. This is only a starting point. This is only to get you in the habit of that. But here's a few examples. On week one, day three, I declare that I am healthy and whole, but sickness cannot stay on me or my household because it was by his stripes that I was already healed. That's not God, please heal me because I don't feel well. That's a declaration of the promise of God because that's how we need to start praying. So I want you to remove the word prayer from your prayer life. God, I pray that this happens. God, I declare your word. Amen? Here's another one, day five of week one. I declare that my children will all walk in the knowledge of Jesus Christ as their personal saviour because they are taught of the Lord and great will be their peace. Declaration over your children. Week two, day one, I declare that my God is great. He is all-knowing, He is all-powerful, He is always present. No one is greater than He is. I choose to trust Him in my circumstances and allow Him to be in control no matter what lies before me. Doing this day in, day out. Day five, week three, I declare that anxiety, depression and fear will have no place in me. I have clarity in my thinking because I have the mind of Christ. These are declarations and these are only starting points. The Bible is full of promises and this is only to get you started. Don't just read this and go, oh, that's it. Continue praying along this line. 
Don't go back into begging mode. You are made kings and priests. You are made with dominion. You are made with authority. You need to start speaking the word of God over your life. Amen. Let's all stand. My heart's beating like anything because um, I don't normally get up the front unless I feel like I really have something to say. But um, what Adrian shared today, um, I've done this sort of therapy before. Um, the counsellor that I saw um, about 10 years ago um, called it truth coaching. But it's a biblical thing, which is you, um, you discover what you're... Uh, really what she what she called king lies like massive sort of strongholds over your life are um, and you might want to talk to someone to find out what your biggest fears are and basically then she um, went through numbers and numbers of different statements that would discount that fear and rewrite your brain so that your um, brain will actually not go into those bad tracks of thinking and so I did this truth coaching thing for a number of oh, probably three months and I would say these these lists of things to say scriptures as well as just other statements and I had struggled with depression for probably 20 years and I just I don't have that level of a depression in my life anymore it was quite life-changing so I really encourage you all to not just listen to this sermon and then throw the piece of paper on the bench and then throw it away in a few days, but actually do this because it really works and God's truth does transform our lives. We need to put it in practice and it does transform our lives. Amen. I'm just going to ask if a couple of people can go to the door over there and just hand these out as people walk out. They're just on the chair here, so grab those. Um, stand at the door and hand them out to people as they walk out. Like I said, the Word of God needs to be in our mouth. We need to be speaking with authority what God has given us. Amen? Let's all pray. Heavenly Father, I declare that you are Lord. I declare that you are God. We stand in faith. We stand with authority, Lord. We stand as kings and priests before you, able to speak your Word out. We thank you for your love for your life, for everything that you have done from us. We've been singing throughout this service already about the greatness of God and the authority of God. And Lord, we choose to leave this place. We choose to walk in authority. We choose to speak the words of God over our circumstances, over our families, over our businesses, over our jobs, over our friends, over everything we're part of. We declare that you are God. We declare that we will walk in your ways. We declare that you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We thank you for everything you've done. And I want to bless you, God. I want to stand in this place and just declare the name of Jesus Christ. And we declare out loud because we have authority. And we thank you for all you've done in Jesus' name. Amen.